so Merit, thank you very much um, for being a part of this. Thank I you met so Merit, much for having me. Uh, back in Slush last year. Yes. Where they were one of the um, highlights of the event, winning the big cup of MasterCard Lighthouse competition, was it? Yeah, and uh, back then, um, with this new fund, uh, we're kind of expanding our um, domain and where we source our deals, and um, I was trying to expand into the Baltics, although I, I, at that point I had never been to Estonia. It's my third time this year. Um, hope to make that a lot more. Um, I was discussing this with Merit because they were already past our stage having raised uh, 10 million, was it? Yeah. Now it was actually like 7.9 million dollars. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, so a bit less. Okay, a bit yeah. less. Okay, sorry about that. Um, so yeah, they were already past our stage, but she basically showed me that um, Estonian welcome and she was kind enough to give me an uh, overview of the ecosystem and what I can do uh, to find myself an opening. So thank you for that once again and thank you for um, again showing your support and uh, being here. Um, so I want to start with um, your journey towards starting Single Earth, obviously. Um, so how did that happen? What was your background before that? I'd love to um, start with that. All right. So my background, well, I don't know how long should I go back in history, but I actually like, studied uh, English major. I was an English major in university, so I was studying English language and literature. I ended up uh, eventually working for Pipe Tribe, which is um, a tech company in Estonia. I was actually one of the early employees there, so I think I was like number 34 or something like that. So I went there to lead localization. So basically working uh, in a team where we were bringing the product to different markets. So translating the product into different languages and then doing everything that needed to be done to, to make this product fit in a different uh, culture or, or country or whatever. So that was where I was uh, working. And that was, I think, my kind of main entrance to this uh, big tech scene. And then uh, fast forward a few years. Um, How many years? It was, I joined PyTribe in 2014, I think. Um, and then I actually founded the company in 2019, so it's actually five years. Okay. <laughs> so fast forward five years, uh, it was actually uh, one of the founders of Pipe Tribe who, who told me after we've had we'd had like long conversations about nature and nature protection and Estonian forests and all of that. He at some point uh, told me, well, there's this hackathon happening on the topic of the future of food. I think you should go there. Um, so I did, uh, and I also uh, kind of discussed a few ideas uh, about what I could do there because like the main problem that I was concerned about uh, back then and, and still am is um, this very intensive forestry that is happening here in Estonia so a lot of our beautiful old growth forests are, are cut down so that was kind of the problem that I started solving. Um, then again, Ragnar, this, uh, this founder of Pipe Tribe, introduced me to somebody who he introduced as a, as a mad scientist. So he kind of told me that you need to have a mad scientist to bring these things to life. And, and so that's how I met my co-founder, literally like two days before going to a hackathon together with him. Um, so we went there. Um, the hackathon was actually really cool. It was actually called a makeathon because in addition to just coming up with ideas and then turning them into the first prototypes, there were also uh, people building physical things out of wood. So it was all about like finding new ways how to value wood. Um, there were people uh, building like, I don't know, wooden sauna doorknobs and, and somebody was uh, building this crazy carry-on summer house and, and whatnot. And then there was us and we were saying like, 
why don't we just start to value wood as it is still growing in a forest? And everybody was like, wow, that's a brilliant idea. That's a very novel idea. Um, and back then, we kind of just started to look around, like, what could be the angle? Like, we kind of understood that it doesn't make sense that we only pay landowners for taking down the forest, uh, while we know that forests provide us with so many good things that we need to, to live on this planet, that make this planet habitable, uh, but we never pay for these. We only pay when they actually destroy all of these good things. So that kind of didn't make sense to us, so, so we started solving that. So. So the first kind of business model that we stumbled upon was uh, carbon, uh, carbon markets, and kind of like, can we somehow create carbon credits out of forests, sell them to companies? <coughs> Seemed to work, like it, it should technically work. Like a few years into the business, we understood that, well, it's not that simple, like that's not going to save the world. Uh, and, and we can't also, as we can't measure forest uh, only in one dimension, which is like raw material, we cannot also uh, measure forests only as a carbon sequestration, I don't know, tool or something. So there's more to that. So we understood that it's actually way more complex. So uh, this is how we got, uh, kind of got into like trying to put everything that nature does into one like digital unit. So that was like the, the first thing that we understood that we need to do. So we, we need to be able to describe all the good things that nature does, which is called the ecosystem services, and quantify them and then turn them into a financial instrument um, that could enable us to bring more finance to the landowners so that they would have an incentive to keep their forest growing. So, so it was kind of like us trying, like understanding the problem and trying to fit different puzzle pieces like, or like tools, like what could work. So carbon credits almost did the job, but not quite. So we continued to iterate and come up with new ideas. So eventually we ended up actually like, at the actual very beginning, we decided that we're going to use blockchain for that because it made so much sense like uh, to ac account for these ecosystem services using the, this type of a database and, and transparency and traceability and all of that. But then at some point, like two years uh, after we'd actually started the company, we understood that, well, we have tokens, we need to finance uh, nature protection, we need to build a sustainable economy, why don't we just issue or like let roll this out as an actual currency? And this is where we are today. So instead of just asking uh, companies to buy tokens and, and just you know take them out of circulation because they want to uh, contribute to nature or, or uh, achieve their climate goals, we actually turn this into a financial instrument. Like what if, you, you can do something good, but also get something in return. And this is how we ended up building like this new narrative, like what if we can actually have a global nature-backed currency? Like imagine if the um, amount of currency or the amount of money that we have in this world would be limited to how much nature we have. The more nature we have, the richer we all are, the, l uh, the less of it we have, the more of it we destroy, the less wealthy we also become. So kind of like trying to play with these big, big financial incentives to, to incentivize people to do the right thing and, and kind of live in a sustainable way uh, rather than the, the way we do today. That was amazing, um, <laughs> you, the way you described the journey. So you also touched upon a, a lot of problems, right, with the climate markets and the carbon markets, right? Would you give us an overview of the you know, high-level climate market? Um, you mentioned you know, lots of companies are pledged to become you know, net zero, but how do we get there? Yeah, that's a great question. So we have been analyzing the carbon markets from very many different angles. And I think that the, the main or the most important conclusion for us has been like, 
there are carbon credits and there are different carbon instruments, like especially in the volunteer carbon market. Uh, there are also like these compulsory or regulated markets and they operate in a different way and we can't actually even go there with nature-based solutions. So, so we are left with, if we want to do something in the carbon markets, it's all about the voluntary carbon market. So, so companies can do something if they want to make big claims. Now the problem is that the the question is kind of like whether you want to design an instrument that fits for the companies, so you want to enable companies to make these claims that they're carbon neutral, or you want to do something for the landowners, that you want to give them a way how to finance nature protection. Unfortunately, we've understood that these are not the same instruments. Like what works for uh, landowners doesn't make sense for companies, and what makes sense for companies is not enough for landowners to create enough incentive. And it's, it's kind of like, it's unfortunate. I'm pretty sure the carbon credits were actually meant to be that one um, instrument that kind of fits both worlds, but it actually doesn't. Um, I think the underlying problem, or at least part of the problem, is that if companies want to claim that they are carbon neutral without doing anything really, but just only buying carbon credits, they probably have to buy quite a lot of them. Uh, which means that they don't want to spend too much money on that. Because for a, for, from the business perspective, for the company, it's just a pure cost. You just pay for something and you get a very expensive PDF in return and maybe a marketing claim, and that's it. So companies don't really want to spend that much money on that. But if you want to kind of use this as a, as a tool to, to protect nature, then there are certain amounts of money that you need to be able to provide the landowner so that they could actually have um, an, an alternative business model to taking the forest down. And it doesn't work like that. So the companies are constantly keeping the, the prices low and it doesn't make sense for landowners to actually keep their forest growing. So we understood that we need to kind of choose. Do we want to do this for landowners or do we want to do this for companies? And we uh, decided from the very early on that our, like, this North Star question is always going to be, does nature win from what we do? If the answer is yes, we go for it. If the answer is no, uh, it's not for us. Because there are so many ways how one can earn a lot of money doing so many things in the carbon markets um, that will probably have no impact or very little impact on nature. And that's just not for us. So we are very driven by the, the mission and the actual change that we bring to the world. As far as I understand, these problems led you to come up with your one own um, measurement tool, a unit of measurement, and tie that to a currency. And also, you needed to create your own marketplace of sorts. Right? Yes, that's true. That's true. And that was one of the things that very many people at the very beginning told us. Like, you're crazy. You're doing like three or five startups in one. Like, why the hell are you doing something like that? Um, and it kind of like, some people finally understood that like there is no ecosystem where we can plug ourselves into because I it's not like we can fix this one strip or like one line and then the entire ecosystem will be fixed. It's, it's broken in so many ways that we actually need to rebuild this from scratch. We eventually maybe don't want to do all these pieces uh, by ourselves, so probably we're going to hand these over to the next generation of startups who are going to be solving this. But for now, to kind of get this uh, ecosystem going, we needed to do all these things. So what we do, so first of all, we have the models. We have the digital twin that is, uh, that is monitoring the Earth. So literally looking from the satellites, seeing what nature is doing. Uh, we started from carbon removals, so how much nature is removing carbon, uh, sequestering carbon in almost real time. But we are already working on our own methodology to add biodiversity to that. 
uh, and carbon stocks, and then basically all other ecosystem services as well. Because like you can't, if you just only look at carbon removals, then it would always uh, tell you that I don't know some young forests that are, have just been planted are super valuable because they sequester a lot of carbon. But then when you look at I don't know a, a wetland, uh, a bog or a marsh in uh, in Finland, for example, it doesn't sequester a lot of carbon, but it's a huge carbon stock. So it has like centuries worth of carbon already stored there. But if you don't measure that, you actually don't know the value. And and the same thing is for like old forests. Like it doesn't maybe uh, sequester that much of carbon, but it has stored uh, tons and tons of carbon and it has a lot of valuable biodiversity that we need to uh, also protect. So we understood that it has to be a very uh, multi-dimensional model to describe different land types and different um, habitats and all of that. So that's like part one. And then once we have the digital twin, we actually use this information to mint the tokens. So cryptocurrencies are usually minted based on some mathematical algorithms. The algorithms that we use come from nature. So we create the tokens, give them to landowners. Landowners are always the first recipients or like the initial re recipients of the tokens. And then we also have a marketplace where the landowners can directly sell the tokens. So they can sell, they, they sell the merit tokens to the buyer, the buyer buys uh, them in fiat currency, so the landowner immediately gets paid in uh, fiat currencies. Um, and yeah, we kind of had to build this uh, on our own. Uh, we have built uh, all of that. So if we are discussing all these financial things, that, that means that we actually have uh, built the marketplace. We're actually opening custodial wallets to landowners, to buyers. We KYC them. We run through all these procedures. Then we come together, make the transactions. We kind of have built the entire ecosystem uh, ourselves. And next up is going to external crypto markets and exchanges so that um, whoever has bought the tokens can actually go and start trading uh, in those big markets as well. That's really interesting. Um, so you guys also recently lo launched the token, right? Yes, we launched this uh, in September uh, on our own marketplace. So we haven't yet gone to the external exchanges, but on our marketplace it is already available. And what was the goal there? Like, I guess the main goal that you had was seeing, you know, if people cared about yeah. this and if there would be demand, right? H how do you think about that? Well, uh, it was literally like we would just push the button, now it's out, and I was like, please th let there be just w at least one person. Like we <laughs> had, like it would be just so sad that it, we'd been building this for like three years and nobody cared. But actually we were very happy to see in real life like people joining, 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 going to KYC, actually passing that, buying the tokens. And I, I understand that we actually built the most difficult way to actually purchase a token. You actually have to open a wallet, do the KYC, and there are still people doing that and kind of, and the results were like, like, like you know, when you, when you start a startup and then you go to talk to VCs and, and whatever uh, mentors tell you to do a business plan. So you kind of multiply random numbers and get a random growth uh, <laughs> graph and all of that. And then we actually did that, uh, obviously, as well. Um, but now we compared that to the real results. And the craziest part was that the, the first month we were actually hitting the first goal. And that was like wow, maybe it actually can work. Uh, so, so that was like super um, inspiring to see actually, especially looking um, at the situation where we launched a, a new financial instrument, a new token, like in the middle of the economic downturn where the crypto markets have crashed. So it kind of gives a lot of hope. So if we do things right, um, right now, then like imagine what will happen if, if the markets take up again and it actually becomes more and more relevant, um, yeah. Amazing, and it's amazing that you got to pull that off in a you know market downturn and um, everything kind of like a perfect storm coming together to make things harder <laughs> for you guys. 
Um, so my next question is, what does it take to, you know, build this amazing, you know, infrastructure, create a new financial instrument? Mm -hmm. um, you, we talked that you already raised um, 7.9 million, and um, so how big is the team? Uh, what's the structure like? Um, for us, um, the team right now is, uh, I think it's like 55, 53, wow. something like that. Uh, for us, it has taken um, our own in-house science team to actually pull this off. Um, so we decided that we're going to do our own methodology and we, we, we are going like, to go this very innovative and crazy path. And we, we understood that in, in order to kind of pull this off, we need to have not just the knowledge, but also kind of the validation from the science community. So by hiring a science team, we got the first validation that is actually doable. It makes sense from the environmental perspective and we're actually doing the right thing. Um, the other thing that it takes uh, to kind of come up with all of this is just like, I think what has worked really well for me and my co-founder is that we are not like kind of navigating uh, in the waters that we actually know. So we didn't know much about the carbon markets. We didn't really know much about like, I don't know, carbon sequestration and all of that. But it just made sense. I think just like having this very naive perspective on things and kind of thinking about like new ways how to put these things together has been like super exciting for us, but super like nerve wracking for the people who actually come from these industries because they're like, like it, it's not working like that. Like it has never worked like that. And, and it, we're saying like what it could technically work, can't it? So, so I think that's kind of like whenever we have hired somebody very senior from another industry, there's always like this, this period of time where they need to unlearn everything they've known so far and kind of let go of all the constraints that they have. And once they kind of come out of that, like these very crazy things start to happen. And I think it has kind of been um, something that we kind of received or got, got encouraged by our first round of investors who was actually Icebreaker from Finland. And they have been constantly pushing us like to go crazier. Like, how can you win the market? How can you go big? How, how are you going to be the next big thing? And they're constantly pushing, like, go crazier, go crazier. This is your once in a lifetime uh, opportunity to do something big. Don't just come up with something that just works. Be the best, like, come up with a crazy solution and, and don't just do things the way they have been done because there's no reason for that. Like, nobody's expecting you to do things that, like they have been done. So I think mm. that's kind of the encouragement is also important on this uh, journey. Definitely. And um, how did you decide to um, have this tied to Web3 and you know store everything on the blockchain? How did that yeah. come by? So, th so the part of having blockchain was actually um, like from the get-go. So my co-founder is also the CTO. He had actually been al always uh, advocating for like he had been working as a tech evangelist and an AI evangelist before that. But he also told me that he like most of the time he advises uh, companies not to use blockchain and AI because it's actually not needed in their business case. But for the first time, he actually saw that this makes so much sense. Like you want to account for the things that have never had uh, financial value or that have never been accounted for before. You want to store that information. You want to make this traceable and transparent. Like it's the perfect, uh, uh, perfect solution. But we started actually doing all of that in the previous crypto winter. So for the good, I think like two years, we, we, we were constantly saying, we are not doing crypto. We are using blockchain, we're using tokens, but it's not crypto at all. Uh, because it, it was just, just such a dodgy biz business back then. Um, up to the point 
uh, where next up we understood that, well, there are so many retail investors and, and kind of once the markets kind of grew bigger uh, and started to increase, that like we could actually tie those people in. Uh, we also learned that there are so many individuals that don't have any instruments or any control over climate change, biodiversity loss, or how nature is managed in general. And they are the ones who actually are concerned about these things. So we've always been thinking the companies need to do, they don't really care, but then we haven't given anything to the individuals who want to do something. Um, and that was kind of, at some point we understood that, but maybe there is something. We kind of understood that we need to have some sort of a movement. We need to have people kind of do something about this. And, and that's kind of how the discussions led to me calling my CTO in the middle of the night saying, well, I, I'm sorry, but I think we need to go all, on, all in with crypto. He had been avoiding this conversation for, I think, weeks or months because it was still like, we're not going to do crypto. But he also understood, I think the main thing that made him change his mind was like when we added uh, another layer to the concept uh, and saying that what if we also limit the amount of tokens in circulation to how much nature can sustain? And that was like, like that is literally the net zero economy that we need to build. And then it started to make sense to ro roll this out as a currency and actually tie this in, uh, into the economy on a daily basis by, by actually assigning financial value to nature and bringing that to the economy. Great. Um, are you able to provide us any figures in terms of the you know, number of token holders? Do you have like, I don't know, market cap? I could, but I'd probably give you the wrong numbers, but you okay. can all <laughs> look this up. It's public information, it's everything on the blockchain. So uh, we're using the Solana blockchain, so you can find us there. The token is called Merit, um, yeah, the information. Your name? Yeah, coincidentally, yes. Coincidentally, <laughs> okay. Um, so what's in store for a single Earth for the next um, one to two years? The next big thing, uh, which hopefully will actually not be in one to two years, but more like in one to two months, is going to be to uh, going to external exchanges. So that's going to be um, one big of, um, I don't know, a leap of faith, uh, like all the markets are down and we're going to go there and say, well, we have these new tokens and we all <laughs> think that you all should buy it. Um, but that will also give us access to other markets that we don't have access to right now, which is like the US and, and, and uh, Asia, for example. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, we don't know yet which um, exchange we're going to be listing on, uh, currently exploring that. So that's going to be a huge thing. So then we have kind of validated the market on our marketplace. Uh, once we have the crypto uh, exchanges also validated and tested and kind of like learned our lessons from there, then we're gonna just be building uh, these different solutions because our main goal is to kind of eventually in like a few years time, like anything you can do with your money today, you should be able to do with merit, which means that you need to be able to pay, but also s use it in your savings accounts, uh, lend it, uh, like whatever you do with money, you, you should be able to do. Uh, so that's going to be the next phase. So adding consumer solutions and all of that on top of that. Um, and eventually, while we are building for the future, uh, maybe in two years, crypto payments will uh, have become uh, mainstream um, and you can start making your daily transactions in merit tokens. So I think oh. that's, but that's kind of slightly out of our control. We're hopefully <laughs> the, the Web3 payment ecosystem will kind of uh, uh, also uh, race, race to the game. Okay. Any fundraising plans? Of course. <laughs> I think <laughs> all startups are constantly fundraising. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Uh, we're probably going to be fundraising. Uh, let's see how it goes. Uh, the markets are interesting yeah. uh, so so let's see and you mentioned that um, you're gonna offload some of the parts of the business to some partners what are some of those parts 
Uh, first of all, it's, it's going to be the science part. Uh, so, so the methodology that, that we've created in-house, we're actually going to distribute more among the um, uh, research community. So that's part one. So we actually don't want to be the authority that is kind of like saying how much for us is sequestering carbon, uh, but actually have this validated across a wider community. So that's going to be the, the first step for us. So expanding that and then seeing maybe there are some financial aspects that we can also distribute or like decentralize more. All right. Well, um, you've done a lot in a short span of time. Um, has there been any key learnings um, that you can take out of this? and? inspire a new generation <laughs> of entrepreneurs? Yeah, I think there have been a lot of key learnings. I think the most come from like, uh, <laughs> like being a startup that fundraised in 2021 and then heading to 2022. And then you see how the world changes in like two days or one day or like overnight. <laughs> um, so if, if 2021 was about like, are you able to attract the best talent? And you need to prove that constantly, like I have the best talent. Then 2022 is all about like how efficient you are. So I think you just have to kind of, and these are the things that, that don't necessarily, like you don't have any control of that. It's just, it's just how it is. So you need to accept that and just adjust. Like now we need to focus on these things. And now the markets are looking for this because you can't actually ignore them. Like, like unfortunately, that's the situation. So I think for me, it has been an interesting learning like how fast things can change, and then you have to adapt, come up with the next strategy, and kind of uh, just roll with that. Amazing insights and um, recommendations. Well, thank you so much uh, for joining Merit. Uh, this has been amazing you. to um, host you. Um, now on to our, um, the next part of our event. Um, wait to see all of you there for the networking part of this, and um, let's have fun and a lot of great discussions. Thank you. Thank you. To stay in the loop, go to our website, getcc.com, or follow us at getcc on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube.